Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. episode of Fishers of Men. Today we have on our show Daniel Johnson and in our hands a Modelo because it's going to be that sort of show. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, and he's a marriage and family therapist, correct? I am a marriage and family therapist intern with uh, Still Point Family Resources and I uh, see clients out of Pasadena. Good to know. So uh, we thought it would be super exciting. <laughs> exciting. <for laughs> Laura and I, well, because this episode will be about breakups, how to do them in a healthy way. Also, probably how to not do them. Yeah. Mostly how to not do Mostly them. Mostly not, not how to not do them. <laughs> uh, so we thought it would be extremely interesting for us yes. to explore our own lives oh, in no. this episode. Boom, boom. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Let, me, let me get another swig of... Uh... Yeah. There. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, all right, ladies. So uh, I actually was um, had a strange reaction, Mary, when you mm-hmm. asked me to do an interview on how to break up, because it's actually not something I've thought about much in my life. How to, you know, what effectively or cleanly break up? Because every breakup I've had um, is a messy and kind of sordid affair. And ideally in your work, you're trying to like keep people together, right? Well, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially the married ones. Um, but uh, that nevertheless, there's always room for, you know, whatever the emotional and mental health of the client necessitates. But that being said, for me to have come up with conclusions for what it is to or how somebody should break up, that would require a lot of experience. And, and hopefully human beings don't have a lot of experience with breakups. Uh, in fact, there's an article, I think, in Psychology Today last year about one of the reasons why men aren't dating is because they've had so many breakups in their teen and, and early 20s. And just the memory of that pain, you know, maybe it's kind of a cop-out, but seems to keep a lot of men, or at least by the self-report of a lot of men, keeps them from even trying anymore. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. It's probably true for women too, I would imagine. I can't speak from that specific perspective. With a lot of breakups, that is. (laughs) Well, and that was the other concern. Neither could I. I mean, I think I've had two or three. and, And as you probably know, dating in L.A., the real problem is just getting a first date, let alone yeah. getting to the breakup. Yeah. Right. So, uh, or a second date. Right. Is also like <laughs> equally enough. as hard, if not harder. <laughs> well, it's even using the word breakup because that just implies that you were in a relationship. Right. And I think a lot of people in LA are also in denial or commitment phobic sure. and don't necessarily want to put a label on it or whatever (laughs) and so when you quote unquote break up or decide to not see each other anymore there's also this weird kind of repercussion of like wait why am I feeling like this why am I feeling sad like we weren't right you're trying to convince yourself it wasn't even anything yeah yeah and I mean I I could I could speak to that specifically and that's also not as pleasant that's not pleasant i mean i think nothing is pleasant in this realm <laughs> but perfect fodder for a podcast yes indeed. podcasting here we go <laughs> awesome well i guess this is fishers of men but daniel why don't you lead us off and you're the expert here yeah. what, what should we bring up first what should we yeah. talk about how should we think about things because hmm. i think more than just how to break up and do it right we of course don't want to break up with people all the time sure but if it does happen if people find themselves in that situation I think and I will I will say though that sometimes breaking up is necessary and that's can a, be a very positive thing yes oh absolutely to get yeah. to absolutely. my point of yeah. how do you look at things in a healthy way right because you know inevitably if you're dating or if you're a proponent of dating in the right way you are going to have a few people that you are at least I don't want to say trying out 
uh, that, <laughs> that sure. you are sure. at least seeing in the yeah. course of you know you're what, considering for yeah a so how yeah. do you let someone down healthily i mean these are all topics that i'm sure we'll cover but to be healthy in a situation where you may otherwise not want to find yourself or this right. is my question it's like how do you invest adequately on an emotional level knowing that you may get hurt at sure. a some, at right. some point and then also dealing with that pain of because it's like you can't adequately invest in someone without having without taking that risk right you can't adequately invest in someone just thinking the entire time like oh but like what if at some point we're gonna have to stop seeing each other and then things are just gonna get really bad right and, yeah know. approaching dating um kind of with the sense that you, you know or or i guess metaphorical prenup that I'm going to get out of this at some point or I'm not going to you know fully invest myself because I'm going to I'm going to get hurt um, it seems to me a dangerous way to, mm -hmm. to approach dating mm -hmm. and in fact um, counterintuitive yeah it, it, it's <laughs> it doesn't seem to me to be real dating at all yeah um, because part of the point is to get to know this person on an emotional level and to not only be emotionally intimate but to be um, intellectually and spiritually intimate as well as physically intimate of course um, so if you hold back or if you're not giving yourself, um, you know, you're not actually dating this person. You're not actually preparing for marriage. So, And yeah. also, I would add, too, I think there's something about attraction. It's like if you have a wall up and you can't be vulnerable, hmm. you are shutting yourself off and you're not – you're you are a pushing people away which i think dating in la is just like a bunch of lonely people pushing each other away like all the time <laughs> pushing think, each other further and further apart. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah i think that's just yeah, like right. the way to sum up dating in la but but also insane. i think you aren't going to be as attractive because i think people can notice that closed oh, offness yeah you're a you phony know? you're just another you know yeah. member of the industry who's trying to get something out of right you exactly not, you know, right. and yeah. it's true genuineness that is really going to be attractive to people because that's what really makes people want to right. know you and and part of the goal of a real relationship is to have somebody you are comfortable being vulnerable to and being mm. vulnerable with and somebody who will take that vulnerability and that wound and that hurt and edify it build it up um what to quote uh, Jack Nicholson to make you want to be a better man you know and if you're not showing your wound if you're not showing um, your vulnerability your significant other will never know what it is they need to do how it is they can be be good for you how it is they can love you so yeah if you're not vulnerable on one hand because you're afraid of the breakup then you're never going to actually get to that point of intimacy which is the goal of any relationship so, I mean, <clears throat> so it sounds to me, Mary, like part of your question is, you know, how do I know at what point is a breakup really necessary? Because in any relationship, mm -hmm. there's going to be, um, you know, some things which are insurmountable. You know, I imagine even married couples I see in, in my practice come across something which makes them not want to continue this relationship. And, you know, Catholic couples come with the intention of working that out. Other couples, you know, throw in the towel after five years and call it quits. And, you know, we might as well as not even differentiate that from like a long-term relationship, especially the way people yeah. go about marriage in L.A. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to me, on one hand, you know, what are those conflicts which maybe are the absolute kind of bottom line mm, for a person? Deal breaker. Yeah, what are the deal breakers? There yeah. you go. What are the deal breakers? And should we have deal breakers? I don't even know. Um, I, I mean, would say yes. I think okay. probably yes. yes. But then that So what would, do you mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> just because of the nature of our podcast, I would say, for example, religion. For And I guess I could only speak for me personally, but like, I was never going to get into a relationship, a serious relationship, without somebody that was in a serious relationship with Jesus. Right. You know, that was not serious about their faith. I wasn't going to even venture into that i have broken that in the mm -hmm. past and i have reaped the consequences of that and i think that would be a deal breaker just for my own set of standards and then yes we're gonna not be perfect in all of those things either i mean you know another one which might be trivial for others it might not be trivial but smoking 
would be mm-hmm. a deal breaker for me too. I don't want to necessarily call it as a judgment on someone's lifestyle. Like if you do what you do, if it makes you happy, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for me personally, like if I'm going to share space with you, I don't like the smell of smoke and uh, I sure. can't imagine kissing you if you're, you know, so... I've so lost those many the... of my cigar friends to women just like you. So, <laughs> but be that as it may, uh, no, cigars I mean, are different. Cigars are different. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I think cigars are totally, totally different. different. Not yeah. even the same ballpark. Well no. done. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, you present two deal breakers here. You present kind of a, a material personality one with the smoking, but also a kind of moral spiritual deal breaker for you. And so it's interesting. I think we definitely probably should have deal breakers. But to be able to sit here and say everyone needs to have this one clear point at which they have to break up or at which, mm. you know, oh, break yeah, up. Yeah. I don't I I guess like with so many things in ethics, you know, there's an objective standard, right. but it for each person there is a little give and take. There's a little kind of subjectivity in Aristotle's sense. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, because for me personally, uh, I have the wonderful example of my own parents who my mother was Catholic and my father was not. And it's a marriage that, you know, like all marriages, there were trials and there was arguments and whatnot. And we kids certainly picked up on that. But to this day, for me, they stand as an example of people who are able to find common ground and find love for each other despite that difference. Right. And I've even noticed it in myself in the last year. Uh you know, non-Catholic women are somehow very attractive to me. <laughs> There's just something very interesting and fun about trying it's to... It's the devil. Yeah, it's, okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm dating the, the devil. devil. Maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> but, you know, there, there's some intellectual and, and kind of emotional, you know, high I get in that kind of conversation mm-hmm. that I don't get with Catholic women. So be that what, as What do you mean specifically? What, yeah, what, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. What? No, I mean... And, what can no, we do no, for you no. as Catholic women? <laughs> and no offense to all of my Catholic female <laughs> friends out there, especially if I've asked you out in the past, but it, it occurs to me that, you know, maybe I'm imitating kind of the relationship I saw in my parents. Maybe, you know, part of me thinks it's a great example to the world that a Catholic and a non-Catholic can find that kind of intellectual, spiritual, common ground Mm -hmm. and make a loving relationship out of that and, Mm -hmm. and, and produce loving children out of that. I'm not dating anyone and I'm not married. So (laughs) clearly I didn't act on any of that. So, Mm -hmm. but uh, the point is that your deal breaker, Laura, is not my deal breaker. And I think, I think those are even on the point of religion. I think there's an acceptable way to go about that. Mm. And I, I think it is, like, I completely agree. Everyone is different. I, I don't suppose to prescribe that for everybody. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going to have their own set of standards. I think really my point is then stick by them. And I, and that's for me too, you know, like, be upfront about them yeah. and discuss them instead of trying to try to backtrack everything, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I find you so attractive and I want you. I'm going to try to make this work. And then you get to a point where you're going to have to talk about the stuff that really, really matters to you minus the initial butterflies, romance, whatever, Mm -hmm. the honeymoon phase. You have to talk about the core values or the core moral or ethical or spiritual matters that are most important to you and your partner. And when that comes to a head, then there's no hiding, you know? and I, I would even say, like, if you get to a point of marriage, I'm, I'm such a proponent of marriage, like, you got to make that work, you know, I have plenty, my parents are an example, like, my mom got saved after they got married, and my dad is not necessarily a believer, but they still are an example to me as well, because they've been together for over 30 years now, and I look to that, and I'm excited about that, but I have like you probably seen the problems between what that makes and I find it a great testament that they have actually stuck through it and you know my mom with her grace my crazy dad you know like like what a remarkable woman that doesn't mean that we are to 
shoot now and ask questions later. Before marriage, you still have an option to talk about <laughs> yes. these things. You yes. still have a lifeboat. And, and well, you still have so opportunity. If, if ever yeah, there was yeah. a purpose to marriage, that seems yeah. to be it, maybe. Or, or rather, if, if, if ever there was a purpose to dating, it seems to be to right. let's identify those, you know, yeah. um, those deal breakers and right. figure out. Yeah. And I think that's like going back to why a couple would need to break up. I think that those are the key issues. It's like, if you see a fundamental difference between the way that you want your life to look in the future and the way that you want your partner's life to look in the future, hmm. and they're not, there's not a way to reconcile them. Because like there are some things, like I have friends that are like, oh, well, before I married him, I thought that this was just like a fun quirk. And then after marriage, I've realized like, this is actually hard and really annoys me. And it's like, like I have one friend that the thing that she was most attracted to when they were dating is the thing that most annoys her after marriage. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that is not good. Well, well, yeah, I mean, but, but it's, the, it's, it's still within, yeah, exactly. Because sometimes you don't know how you're going to react to something and you know, what seems like yeah. cool and different and fun after marriage, like in her particular case, it's just because like, his family is just like uh, very spontaneous and doesn't really plan ahead and but family is like super important and so like before marriage it's like okay cool like your family's just getting together this is amazing and after marriage it's like Ugh, like but now we have to hire a babysitter and like now your family's saying that they want to get together like now they're canceling the party and you know so the spontaneity of the family when it becomes real life in terms of scheduling right. that gets really hard but that's still within the zone of like, okay, this is annoying, but I can deal with it. Right, right. <laughs> you and, know? and if I had that couple in my room, I would probably, let's look for what are the ways in which planning and scheduling are going to make him a better person and make him more virtuous. And what are the ways being spontaneous are going to make her more virtuous. Right. And kind of both of them are going to have to give a little bit here. And the fact that now the emotions for her are really sour when before it was really fun you know the emotions are one thing but it's all about what are we going to do to work to build virtue and to build um, those those good habits of love and discipline that are necessary uh, for our own happiness right um, question is what are those things or maybe one way to look at this is how do we determine those things which are deal breakers for us yeah that's a huge part yeah yes. and and because <laughs> for me the scheduling thing would be an absolute deal breaker from the get-go like if somebody was so spontaneous that they changed my plans 24 hours in advance big problem that would not work yeah. <laughs> so thank you for scheduling this three weeks ago <laughs> but <laughs> Whereas I definitely see the attraction for that kind of spontaneity, right. you know, especially in the early stages of romance, you know, yeah. that's kind of part of the point um, yeah, right. is, is to have spontaneous expression of love like that. And that's, that's the really, it's a really tough issue because on the one hand you want to be kind of open to possibilities and open to love, but on the other hand you want to be honest about what you want and what will and will not work for you. And I have a hard time, I find myself being in that balance of, because I go through stages where I'm like, I'm just going to be open to whatever and like whatever God sends me. I'm like, to and then I have the worst experiences and I'm like, I know that I, I knew in my gut that I shouldn't have gone on this date or I shouldn't have met this person or I shouldn't have even entertained this idea. And why did I do that? And it was just in the name of openness or whatever then that's where I've had to have those uncomfortable conversations after the fact. It's because beforehand I wasn't honest about what I truly wanted. And I, I think that there are lots of reasons why for me personally, I might want to not do that. I've been really trying to analyze recently, is it that you want acceptance or is it that you want people to think you're cool? Or is it that you don't like conflict? Hmm. Or, and I think that there's a whole, it's a combination of just all of say, those. It sounds like a combo. Could, it sure. could be. Yeah. 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 And, and for each individual, one of those may be stronger than the other. But certainly each of those are possibilities. Um, one thing I'm wondering for you, Mary, what were you hoping to gain by being open, even when your gut was telling you, this hmm. isn't it? 
Well, because I like read uh, love advice things. <laughs> <laughs> because this is what we do. Like we have this podcast. Sure. So, you know, like I'm like the guinea pig. Um, and so, and like one of the things that keeps coming up is like, don't have a really set idea of the person, you know, of the one in quotes, you know, try to like be a little bit more open or to the unexpected or, you know, what things that you in the past would never consider, you know, like don't have like a huge list of things, of very specific things. And so I guess... I, I go through this phase every once in a while where, you know, I don't want to be accused of shutting myself off from love. You know, like, I I don't, I don't want to be the reason why I'm single. <laughs> you right, know, like, right. who does, right? You know, but at the same time, I recognize, like, I am the common denominator. There are things that I, you know, and, and sometimes mm. I start, like, you know, like, for example, like, when OkCupid is like, your storage is full. I like go back and I look through all the messages I haven't responded. I'm like, oh wow, like just because I didn't respond to this message, and it, it could be like any any reason why I didn't respond to a message. I could have been busy at the time, or it could have just like oh you know like really stupid superficial reasons sometimes too. I you know because like we brought up a season sorry in our first episode, and so like in his book. He talks about how online dating has enabled us to reject people for the stupidest reasons mm-hmm. now that you wouldn't even necessarily find out until like the sixth or seventh day. Mm-hmm. But now we find out about it before we even meet the person mm-hmm. and we're just like, oh, no, you know. And so it could be just like a stupid reason like that or it could be a reason like uh, I was just busy at the time I got that message and I just didn't yeah, respond to it or, you know, timing, whatever. Yeah. And so sometimes I go back through those messages and I'm like, oh. You know, like, maybe just because of that one thing, maybe just because I didn't respond to that one message, maybe that's why I'm single, you know? And so then I'm like, oh, I just need to, like, not do that. I just need to not judge before I meet a person. And But then I end up having just the worst possible experiences you could imagine. And then I'm like, oh, okay, back to square one. I do need to have standards, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I right. do need to be honest with myself about what I want and what I need. And, and it sounds like in the virtual world, and especially on OkCupid and those kind of websites, it's very easy to make our deal breakers super high mm, and very yeah. sensitive. Right. I don't have the same problem that women have on OkCupid. My inbox is never full. <laughs> <laughs> but it is the case that, you know, I'll be swiping or whatever or reading profiles and just the silliest, dumbest thing, which... I've seen in other women and, you know, attributed to as a quirk or Mm -hmm. something nice or, you know, if it really was bothersome, I could work with it. But in that instant of having to decide, do I swipe left or right? It's very easy to go, nope, I'm not dealing with that again. It ain't going to happen. Right. So it's definitely, I mean, it seems to me on one level, the, the way to approach online dating is go out with the guy or the girl and see what happens. I've been on a few of those dates, and about 10 minutes in, I've always known this was a really bad idea. <laughs> but, um, but I've learned something about myself in each of those, yeah. and, I, and I've learned something about who I ultimately would like to be with from each of those. So yeah. there's, there's a give and take there, just like with any dating. Yes, yes, yes. So how do we do that? Yeah. So how do we, because that's the real meat of this episode. Right, right. And so once you figured out, okay, this isn't working for me for whatever reason, I think there are a myriad of reasons. Sure. And I think it's important to identify those because I think by identifying those deal breakers, both for ourselves and talking about them with our, whoever we're dating, that's really lays the groundwork for the breakup or for the proposal, whatever direction we go. But do you have like any suggestions for how do you identify that as a deal breaker within yourself, first of all, or like, I, I, this might seem like a weird question, but I've noticed, this is work I'm trying to do with myself recently. I've noticed that I have a problem even just deciding in the moment how I feel about something and being able to express that hmm. in a true and honest way <laughs> because I'm, I mean, maybe it's because my parents are divorced. Maybe it's because I'm just naturally conflict-averse. I don't know. Combination, probably. But it's like, 
I've noticed about myself that I really like just trying to placate people in the moment and just like going along with whatever until all of a sudden I find myself like whoa my boundaries have been crossed or like yeah. oh like this is this was not a good idea and I or even just simple things like oh all of a sudden I've realized that I've overcommitted myself and I've like told three different people I would be at their things today and I don't realize that until the moment you know and so it's like how do you even in the first place get in tune with yourself in a healthy way without being too like okay i'm gonna shut out the rest of the world sure sure yeah there's um uh at at the risk of delving into uh california buddhism uh, (laughs) there's there's definitely a a place for mindfulness in all of this and a place for kind of you know observing the emotion I'm having and then judging whether or not that emotion is something I need to act on in the Mm -hmm. moment or not. Mm -hmm. In the last year, year and a half since I started grad school and started being a therapist, I've noticed in myself a greater ability to identify emotions in the moment and a greater ability to choose whether or not to act on those emotions in the moment. So the answer is going to grad school. The answer is going to grad school, everybody. <laughs> and 90000 yes. in debt. That's the way to do it. Yeah. You, will, you will know all of your emotions at that point. <laughs> no, I, I think part of it is taking a little bit of time each day, whether, frankly, even if it's in your examine or in your moments of recollection before prayer. Sorry, examine is... Examination of conscience, mm-hmm. kind of later at night, mm-hmm. uh, the... the Jesuit practice of examining your conscience and going through the day and right analyzing what happened examining not only faults and sins you may Mm -hmm. have committed but perhaps emotions or motivations attached to that Mm -hmm. or even if it's in your active recollection before prayer before mass before the rosary before you get out of bed in the morning what have you those are good moments to pause and go what am I feeling is it sorrow is it happiness is it anger what are the motivations for that what are the objects I'm angry at or sad about or happy about? And to really judge whether or not I need to act on this here. Because I'm the same, Mary. Uh, I, I will have any reaction in the moment. And I'm so used to just ignoring my emotions and yeah. acting on them later that I'll get into kind of, especially when I'm at a party or with a big group of people, I'll get into commitments or into stories or into whatever. And get lost and lose myself in that and not be able to act on the way I need to act or the way the, the person needs me to act. And for a therapist, that's super useful. You know, when somebody's telling you their life's trauma, you can't be reacting to that in the way. You've, you've got to be present and be able to talk to them and be able to talk them through it and build with them the kind of calm and resiliency that they need. Mm-hmm. But as somebody who's trying to date, that's a very bad quality because then you're not expressing your love, you're not expressing your emotions. Mm. Or your boundaries. Or, or your you boundaries, know, or your, yeah. your deal breaker. Yeah, right. which is like, it's happened to me a couple times where a guy did something that I didn't like, but I didn't express it adequately until after, like way after. And then at that point, there was like no way for them to correct it or, or do the right thing quote unquote like what they wanted to do and so they're like oh well you know like i'm sorry and i'm already like checked out at that point so it's hard to so kind of the dynamic you're talking about is he will have crossed one of those deal breakers yeah and you don't let him know that that was a deal breaker right it's fine well, yeah, then you've got to express those deal breakers quicker, yeah. you know. Right, I know. <laughs> let, let, it, let it be clear earlier on, I know. right? This is something that I'm working on. Yeah. And, and part of that is, part of being in a, in a dating somebody is discovering those deal breakers as well and realizing that objectively this didn't bother me. In you, this is really annoying. Uh, <laughs> well, that, well, what right. would be a polite way to say that? Uh, well, <laughs> does there need to be a polite way to say that? Maybe charitable, but at the same time, look, I'm feeling like you just really ticked me off, and I think it's okay for me to be acting angry right now. Hmm. And both partners need to be a little comfortable with that. Well, yeah, yeah. like that, that's what I've heard is that it's it's really good to approach it from like, well, I I feel this way. In X way, or like when you did X thing, I felt this way, yeah. and that's a way from taking a way to take the yes. blame off of them and not make them wrong, but just express the truth of how, how you, it feel. Made you feel. Yeah, you and it, and in the world of therapy, we call those I statements. Mm-hmm. Always talk about 
how the event or the person made you feel, not something like you're a jerk or you're such an idiot when you do X, Y, and Z. You say yeah. something like, or you're always doing this. Yeah, you you're always do doing this. that. And, yeah. and rather you want to say something like, I feel angry when you do this mm -hmm. or I feel misunderstood. Now, I do this a lot with my boss, actually, and we'll see if she listens to this. But <laughs> I, I will always do something like, when she does something that upsets me, I will say, I feel misunderstood or I feel that way it's not an attack even though I'm trying to correct a situation that she generated mm. and and maybe it's appropriate that she's a woman and we're talking about relationships so <laughs> who knows that's a, a wonderful tool in any relationship to be able to to tell somebody that what they're doing is upsetting or wrong but that it doesn't make them defensive or it doesn't make mm -hmm. them so wrapped up in the anger because they, they feel like you've attacked them mm -hmm. rather than that you're just trying to address something wrong or something difficult in you. And it also leaves the, the, the space between you two to be able to build ways to improve your relationship and to, to adopt new behaviors. But it sounds like you've always waited until the last moment or until far past the last moment to even to even <laughs> express that. And so, yeah. yeah. So one thought I have is next time you're in a relationship, you should probably tell the guy that this is the way you've acted before and that I'm sorry if I wait till weeks later, but eventually it's I'll- It's not weeks. It's <laughs> okay. All right. No, please. Days. <laughs> Days. Okay. <laughs> Um, and, and the great thing about LA is hopefully you live far enough away, you only see each other every two or three days exactly. anyways. Yeah, yeah, so it works, right? Yeah, uh, it's that. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I right. mean, it's something that, like I said, I'm actively working on. So now I'm working on when I meet someone to really be upfront. Because there have been certain things like about myself that I've noticed I'm like scared to bring up or talk about or, yeah. Scared to bring up or talk, you know, sure. you know, because it's just like about what I'm looking for or whatever. Because I just in my head, I'm just like, oh, this is going to ruin everything and this is going to get a really bad reaction. So let's just like stay on the light, fluffy stuff for now, you know. So so maybe that's, you know, to, to depart a little bit from how to break up. Maybe that's another question we need to ask is. But we should, we should we, 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 how to break up. We'll, we'll get question. there. But, but another question we should all ask is maybe to when do we decide or disclose those deal breakers? Yeah. And breakup seems boundly or, or tightly bound with this notion of the deal breaker. Because yeah. when do we express that? When do we give voice to it? A lot of people I talk to know that a breakup is coming weeks, mm, months in yeah, advance. Yeah. I mean, even... Even those girls who have refused a second date to me, I knew 15 minutes into the first date, this ain't going nowhere. Yeah. And, and so something similar. So if we're not kind of disclosing those deal breakers or, or at least expressing ourselves authentically, you know, this guy's upsetting me, so I'm not going to interact with him or this lady's annoying, so I'm not gonna, you know, be nice to her something like that or go out of my way to be nice to her. So in a way, you know, if, if you are being authentic and if you are expressing your emotions actively and if you are express, expressing those deal breakers consciously, you've already laid the groundwork for wherever this relationship's gonna go, whether it's mm -hmm. the breakup or the proposal. Those are gonna be kind of clear one way or another. So, But doesn't yeah. it get to be a little narcissistic? I don't know, like, I feel like in some ways, you know, this making it all about, oh, this is what I wanted. Because sometimes it can even like, sure. when that for me in itself is a deal breaker, when a guy is like in a second message, like, so how do you feel about abortion? You know, I'm like, I just don't want to yeah. talk to you about that when you don't even know my last name and we've only interacted via like message on a dating app. Yeah. Right. You know, right. it's like, I just and don't want to talk all the about time. it. Yeah. yeah. I get that all the time on OkCupid, you know, within about five messages the girl is asking me so wait your profile says you're catholic and it's really important so for yeah. her she's already going near towards a deal breaker right and she hasn't even given me the moment or the space to you know talk about you know i'm really much more of a philosopher i really am interested in your positions on things i'm really interested in you and if you want to talk about religion great but if that is just an automatic deal breaker for you, then there's n not even a way forward for friendship for us. Basically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. my some of my best friends in LA are non-Catholics, and certainly the ones I have the most fun with too. Um, right. So that being said, you know, there's a lot of room to be had there, I think.
Mm. Well, I mean, like I get I get questions. It's like second message about like my virginity and stuff, mm. like on OkCupid, and and so it's like those kinds of things where it's like, okay, dude, like I don't feel like you're interested in me, and you're more interested in, only in yourself. And yeah, you're interested in this ideal constructing that you a world right. for yourself, right? And you know? and so. No, I, and I'm glad you've changed the topic from my deal breakers to <laughs> to being in a relationship with somebody. I think. I, yeah, right. To being actually in a relationship, right? Yeah. And and especially for the Christian and the Catholic, being in a relationship and love is all about providing good things and being a good for the other person. I mean, on, on one level, the husband provides the opportunity to be a mother to his spouse, and the wife provides the great good of being a father, and they also husband and wife also provide each other the occasion to grow in virtue, to go to mass, to grow in holiness, to grow in relationship to God. I mean, Fulton Sheen's, the title of his famous book, Three to Get Married, you know, sums up the goal of Christian dating and marriage yeah. right, Leaving right there. Leaving for the Holy Spirit. Yes, <laughs> yeah. right, right. And, and so that's actually, and to continue our references to pop culture, that's why on OKCupid, I have such a really difficult time at that, what are you looking for question? Because yeah. so many things in one woman is delightful, in another woman is really obnoxious. And there's not necessarily a logic to it. In fact, there's probably least of all a logic to it when it comes to the heart. So it's hard for me to set up those deal breakers until I've met the person. and. And to even know that this is something that's going to, to not work out, I can't even get close to that question until I've been with them for a little while. Apparently, several women have been able to get to that conclusion with me very quickly. But, <laughs> but that being said, it's far quicker than I did with them. So as far as how to execute the breakout, I guess the question is, if you're honest, they will see it coming and you will feel it coming. And uh, same with the proposal, which I guess is the flip side here of, of the breakup. So if you're being authentic the whole time, rather than kind of letting it build up and build up and in, in right. kind of in the dark away from them, that breakup, though painful, though perhaps one of the most painful experiences we have, will nevertheless be one that we're prepared for and one that can almost be expressed without words. Right. Do use words. <laughs> but yeah. you'll know do it's there. Do not do it over text. No. Oh my right. lord, no, do not yeah. do it over text. I, that's what, that's so word. since to deliver on the promise of our premise of us receiving <laughs> on-air therapy, no, in the only like real breakup I have had, I would say, I think that was the issue is that we just weren't honest with each other throughout and like the only time we could be honest with each other was when we were like both drinking, which is not healthy. Uh, <laughs> though fun. But though fun, yeah. <laughs> Um, Which is why we're drinking now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pattern that I've continued. We're, we're, we're recreating this. Yeah, yeah. tradition that I've upheld. But yeah, like we couldn't, it was it was only when we were both drinking that we could really be honest about our relationship and what was going on and the future of it and our fears for it mm. and the sort of conflicts we were having. And I remember in the time before, I, I mean, I kind of initiated, I, I did initiate the breakup, but in the time before, it's like every day I remember I was waking up crying like because we had been dating over a year and and he was a good guy like we did love each other and so it was like well do I want to just throw away all this work that we've both put into it because I do recognize the work that he was putting into it just because like I maybe maybe the way that I'm feeling is because like also my job is not going well and also my roommate situation is not going well and like I'm not happy in my life and so you know like I don't want to throw away this this relationship just because I of a general unhappiness but at the same time there were other things in our relationship that we just weren't on the same page about just like different stages in life different things we wanted for our like where we wanted to be in life professionally and personally so I just remember that agony of just waking up every single day and just crying and just like going back and forth between these two extremes and even the day that we ended up having the breakup conversation it was Valentine's Day <laughs> and we accidentally ended up in the same restaurant as our first date accidentally accidentally yeah yeah totally accidentally 
I, I was like, oh, well, it's kind of a long story. He hasn't listened to this, I'm sure, so this is fine. <laughs> but um, it, it's kind of a long story. So it's just that, like, he, like, he had gotten a gift for me for Valentine's Day, but I could tell it was, like, a last-minute, like, oh, I don't know what to get for her, so I'll just get this kind of gift. And then I, because he, he had forgotten my birthday a few months earlier, I was like, I'm not going to get anything for him. I'm just going to give him, if he gives me a gift, I'm going to give him this gift card I already happen to have. Mm. And so it was a gift card to this bookstore that was in this one certain part of town that happened to be, like, across the parking lot from where we had our first date. So he did get me a gift, and so I was like, okay, well, here's this gift card. So then we went to that bookstore so he could pick out what he wanted, and then we just have, like, oh, hey, like, do you want to go there? Yeah, sure, let's go there. And then we happened to just accidentally be, like, seated in the same booth, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what's going on? And so at one point I went to the bathroom, and this song was playing, and the chorus was like, part of me wants to stay, but part of me wants to go. And I was like, no, like, what is this? Because at that point, for weeks, I had been waking up, like I said, and every day I was just crying and going throughout the day, just going back and forth. You know, should I should I break up with him? Should I not? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to make a decision. Like, I don't want to throw this away. Like, but at the same time, we're just not, you know, like, even though, I mean, this this was like, Five, six years ago so but even at that point because in Kentucky it's like if you're 25 and not married it's like well good luck you know and so like <laughs> so oh, like man. you know so I was very much like like all my friends were married marriage was it still continues to be something I very much want but like at, especially like in that situation where everybody is married and having kids it's like whoa pressure's on you know and he was very much like I don't know he hadn't finished his degree like the day that I initiated that breakup conversation, he was like, I mean, maybe I should just quit school and, like, travel around the country. And I was like, what? And, like, before then, at a time when we had been getting drunk, uh, he was like, what if I'm just a cashier, like a retail cashier, fast food cashier for the rest of my life? Like, would you still be okay with that? And, hmm. you know, so, like, there were just a lot of issues there, you know? And I definitely do think that breaking up was the right choice because I wouldn't have moved to LA. I wouldn't have decided how I want my life to look. I at that point when we were dating, even though he's a great guy, I'm not gonna you know like not saying anything bad about him, but it was just like we were in different places. Yeah. And he like didn't know what he wanted, didn't know what he wanted to do with his life, and like I'm very much like I have goals and yeah, like I have. I mean, I'm not like a monster career woman. But it is an essential part. But it is, yeah. yeah. Like, and yeah, at and, the and very we're, least, we're glad passion. that it's brought you to our paradise here in LA. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, here, here I am, living the dream. <laughs> right, right. Um, what, one of the things I'm hearing in your story is long before the breakup, there was already a, a loss of those signs of affection. It sounds like there was already a lot, a kind of cooling to the r- romance and to the relationship. And so I'm wondering if... Well, yeah. There, and there was a lot of resentment that I let it build, build mm-hmm. up, too. Because even though, like... Like, for example, when he forgot my birthday, I was really let down that I wasn't fully honest. That I was like, hey, that really disappointed yeah, me. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Was that uh, one of the things that you waited a long time Oh, actually, like, I was only able to bring that up with him, like, a year after oh, we had broken up and only via text... When we both just happened, like he, I already lived in LA, and so he was back in Kentucky, and he just happened to text me, and he was like drinking, and I was like, oh, I just happened to be drinking too, and then finally we had like the the because like, we we didn't even break up, we just went quote on a break unquote, mm. and uh, just to like figure things out, and we while had, you were in LA, you no, were... no, when I was in Kentucky, okay, got it, and, and, then, and during the break you came and joined us. Yeah, yeah. well, no, actually what happened was, like, so we broke up around Valentine's Day, like, the week after, because then after he was like, oh, because at first he was like, well, I don't really want, you know, is that what you want? But, like, I hadn't thought about it, whatever, and then eventually he was like, yeah, I think that would be the best thing. So we were like, okay, how about let's just, like, see, it sounds like we both need to figure stuff out, or whatever. And then, um, about a year later, I saw on Facebook that he was dating someone else, and I was like, and I was considering moving to LA, and I was like, oh okay so for me that was like a kind of nail in the coffin of my life in Kentucky and I was like okay so I can just move on and not feel bad about it or anything like that that you know 
Um, not that that was necessarily keeping me back there. And then later... But it sounds like in a way it was, a little bit. Yeah, Or at least you were bit. freed once... Yeah, it was, it was yeah. kind of a sigh of relief because, like, okay, like I don't have to, I don't have the burden of putting that to rest. So, yeah. so isn't it interesting that even in the relationship, and even a year after the relationship, you weren't expressing the emotion you were feeling yes. at any point. Yeah, and, and you had to wait for him to make the move with another girl, right? And not even tell me directly, just right. a passive aggressive. And then you had that emotional the... release. You were able right. to finally experience yeah. what a breakup was for. And then it wasn't even until like a year after that that mm -hmm. we were able to talk about it over text, two thousand miles away, both drinking right. again, like <laughs> right. very like the most unhealthy you could probably get for being able to express how you feel. And finally, then I was able like to say it really hurt me when you forgot my birthday and i really mm. want when i have a relationship again i really want to date a guy who will remember my birthday and he was like yeah you do deserve that and i'm sorry and yeah. but so it was like two years after it had actually happened oh, <laughs> well yeah. at least you're moving forward and growing and but so, <laughs> right right yeah, and right. and and right now you've come to the place where you recognize that the work is recognizing emotions if not in the moment at least 48 hours after <laughs> and giving expression yeah. to those giving right. verbal expression to those right and and hopefully your relationships from here on in will have that quality or at least whoever you're dating will be aware and work with that um, and I think really that's kind of the key is you know we have we all have these dispositions and we all have these expressions and patterns of behavior that come from family come from school come from life trauma what have you but it's again kind of back to the vulnerability where we started if you're not revealing that to the person you're trying to become connected with and romantic with and ultimately to marry and have a life with you've never actually given them the true your true self the true person to grow to grow old with mm -hmm. you've given them um, a facade. Of, yeah, the, yeah. The, the very L.A. habit of a facade and a yeah. veneer, and, and you've never actually gone there with them. Mm -hmm. So as far as how to execute a, relate, uh, a breakup, it seems to me that it was there all along. Yeah. And, and it, it was there perhaps from the first moment, you know, at least the seeds of it were. And maybe the question then is, you know, was there a way to avoid it? You know, was there a way to work around it? And perhaps, but we did learn something from it. Yeah. And, and we've become better people even for that. And, and in a way, if we look at this from, you know, God's providence, we've become the person who, uh, somebody else is supposed to marry. We've become that wonderful spouse because of that pain, because of those wounds. We've become something which somebody else needs in order to become holy and virtuous. Mm. And yeah, that, I mean, that's a really good point because I think that's the thing that was keeping me from being fully vulnerable is the fear of pain and what might happen. You know, I mean, like as a kid, since my parents got divorced, I was put in the middle and sometimes there would be times when they would be fighting and I would have to tell them to calm down. And, mm. and I that really affected me on a level of, wanting to keep the peace and not wanting to stir rock the boat stir the pot whatever i realized from that experience but not until like five years later that it shouldn't have been the pain that i was most scared of because like i don't regret that we were in a relationship at all and i don't regret because it it taught me so much about relationships and about what i need and so i don't there's like no part of me that is bitter or resentful about it and I realized through it that pain is really not the worst thing you can experience the fear of getting let down there will always be something there for you and that's one gift of our faith that we have is that we are able to see the beauty in darkness and we are able to maintain a hope in resurrection and we're able to also kind of see past what we would think would be like this great suffering and like the worst thing that could possibly happen because when you're in a relationship oh the worst thing that could possibly happen is this is going to end yeah you know right but it's it's not true you know instead you can mm. 
look yeah look on it with a more of a resurrection mindset and more of a gratitude mindset and look at every person like they're there to teach you something and they're to receive maybe a lesson from you but without all of these great ideas of what things are supposed to be and how things are supposed to look and the way things are supposed to go because I think that is what's really toxic and that is building up recipe for disaster when you're talking about relationships yeah the, the goal is definitely finding some kind of mean between that ideal that large set of deal breakers that we have kind of in the abstract and then having absolutely no deal breakers or no boundaries finding some yeah. kind of you know like aristotle says a mean between the extremes and finding a way to with this one individual will their catholicity or or lack of religion be a deal breaker maybe mm. in some it would be maybe in some it wouldn't be you know it's perhaps one of the most toxic things to a relationship is viewing it the way online dating apps have us view it as a as a list yeah. of check boxes right. you know these are the ones i want but all of these characteristics, whether they're Catholic, whether they are athletic, whether they eat healthy or whatever, they all come in degrees and they're all part of a spectrum. I have a coworker who, as far as I can tell, all he eats is soy. But I have another <laughs> coworker who eats a variety of healthy things and has a little more of spectrum there. But both are definitely, you know, they would check the box, healthy eater and right. athletic, but they have very different personalities. Yeah. And so it's, it's hard to approach a relationship with that you know list of deal breakers and then go you know this person doesn't fit here so clearly i have to break up right now so i guess the best advice is go out there get in a relationship and <laughs> see where it takes <laughs> you you know out. you know and, and trust like you're saying that the pain that's going to come with this because whether you propose or break up there is going to be pain right Yes. And that's the thing is you can't just get into a relationship expecting that this is going to make me happy. This is going to complete me, you know. Yeah, because that you're setting yourself up for disaster from the get-go. Yeah. Because that another person can't be your completion. If you're Christian or Catholic, like Christ has to be that. And if you're setting someone up to be your idol, that's right. already breaking down yeah, this, the system from this is the very not. start. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's setting, as you say, it sets yourself up for failure from the very beginning right. and for even greater pain than that sort of, you know, bumps and bruises that come with normal daily life of living with someone. And on top of that, probably you're dating with a community if you're dating within the Christian or Catholic. And that adds just an extra layer of just, you know, sure. why this is hard. Yes. What about you? So do you have any regrets or lessons? <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me that look. Well, I have had, well, of all my significant relationships, and I put that a very loose term from what we were saying in the beginning, how sometimes it's not even like a boyfriend-girlfriend exclusivity issue. Yeah. So just using, putting all of it in the same pot, I would say my breakups have been either based on because of religion or because of sex. I remember my high school sweetheart, he was not Christian, and I was just coming into my faith. And we had liked each other all through high school, but I was always kind of like, oh, but I can't date you, but I really want to. So, like, I'd make excuses to go hang out with him. But, like, we knew everyone knew that we liked each other, and it was, like, this whole thing. And it's like, but you guys aren't together? Like, I don't understand. And so, so that was painful, like, once we finally went to college, and I had to end like I really just had to move on and, and truthfully I didn't get over him for like a decade but I did have another somebody that I tried to date and he was Catholic and I'm Protestant mm -hmm. and I tried to make it just kind of be whatever we both believe in God and that's good enough and certainly I'm not saying for everybody like that is going to be the deal breaker like you said like it's different for everybody for me it was just really difficult like we just had too many fundamental differences in how we believed in God mm. When I moved to LA, was more about like how men thought about sex and how mm. I thought it was not okay to do. Yeah. One of the one of the responses was, "Well, if it happens, it's not a big deal." And right. and that just I mean, there's a larger story here that I'm sure we'll tell on the air at some point. Mm -hmm. But for now, suffice it to say that that didn't sit well with me. And with this particular individual, I knew we needed to break up, but I had always been the one to break up with somebody else. Okay, God. <laughs> 
If we need a breakup, can you please tell him to do it? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm sure Mary Ashley remembers this, but yeah. but when it finally happened, it still was like this painful, absolutely gut wrenching thing. And I went on like even for the next half of year trying to be friends, hmm. and that was when we when I finally told him that we couldn't be friends. Like I don't want to hear from you. Text emails whatever it felt like another breakup Mm -hmm. and ultimately i was still the one that was the one to push away and to be in control and have the fortitude there well no like the control like Mm. i wanted to have the control over what the relationship looked like yeah so when even when i was like okay god it's all you i still was kind of like but i'd like it to be my way please yeah yeah so (laughs) when i like quote unquote broke up with him again that was that was difficult but you know so, so let me ask you, how yeah. did um, how did trying to remain friends after the breakup, how did that germinate, or, or why did you attempt that? Well, because I think, and we were talking about this earlier, about how intimacy, it's more than just sex, it's m- like intimacy. I mean, it's like an emotional intimacy. Yeah. It's emotional, right. is what I meant to say. It's emotional. So this particular guy, like, it was more about, like, crossing boundaries of emotional intimacy and when I would miss him because of all those things that we shared, I would confuse those things with, I want us to be friends. What was so stupid about on both parts? Because you were friends before, though. We were friends before. Yeah. Sure. And then we got into a relationship for a few months, and then we broke up, and then we wanted to be friends I wanted more but we were, we were attempting to be friends he wanted to like still have me in his life and I want felt the same way and what was so stupid was that we both admitted like we still had feelings for each other which of course it's like now we're hanging out with no commitments but we still have this declared like I still yeah. think about you in this way and so that was dumb and then he would do things like call me late at night and like we would talk till really late and I'm like, well, if we're not in a relationship, I don't know what this is. So it was very confusing. So there are boundaries. That's boundaries. Fair. It's really about right. boundaries, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional. And I think that in the in the end, all of us fail. If we have a breakup, I think that's where it fails yeah. because we don't know how to draw boundaries. Right. Yeah, we don't know what is an authentic expression of intimacy, yeah. whether right. it's emotional or physical. Right. And I, um, I think too, though, like, you know, part of the trying to stay friends or whatever is feeling like, well, I don't want to feel like a failure at this. Like, I want to oh, be wow. the best at breaking up. And, yes, you know, like that I, was the thing too. Like, I don't, I don't want to admit that like this went really badly yeah. and, you know, like, especially like I don't want to show that to the rest of the world. So yeah. like, you know, let's, let's show everybody how strong we are. Right. And, like, and, and even part as a Christian, you're like, yeah, I, sh- I, I should know reconciliation. Should love and right. forgive. I should know yeah. how to work with It's that. all yeah. about love yeah. and forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. And, there, and there was the motivation you brought up, Mary, of having committed so much and invested so much yeah. here and not wanting to lose that kind of investment in this person. Right. Um, or not wanting to treat people like they're disposable, just yeah. on a fundamental level, you yeah. know. But I think when you cross certain boundaries, uh, there's just some things you just can't come back from just because of, again, that emotional scarring. And and, and thank God, like, the, the next night after that happened to be my husband. But with him, I, like, really wanted it to be different. And I told him we weren't even going to kiss until it was some, like, sort of, we are going to get married. So the day our, of our first kiss was the day we got engaged. Oh, that's so but beautiful. I, but I also told him, like, I don't even want you to say I love you or, like, I, I don't want us to cross any of those boundaries, emotional or physical. And, again, I'm not even talking about sex. Like, like... A kiss is also very personal and very, you know, like that's a powerful thing. And so we did none of that until we were, (laughs) none of that being a kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and so so for you, it was really important to have that kind of reparative relationship with someone. Yeah. And to know that this was something real instead of just like falling again into this trap of like, I feel the way I do because, oh, we're cuddling or Mm -hmm. you're saying these amazing things to me, but like, Mm -hmm. do you really mean it? Like I needed it to be backed up with commitment. And it's funny because I mean, she knows Derek, but if you knew Derek, like those things would have just not have been on his radar anyway to just kind of mess with a, a girl's mindset. But but I, I mean, I think it was important for me to know that, like, I could still be that girl. Like, the resurrection picture is still is, is very powerful for me because, like, I could I could be I could make better choices, but not of my own will. Like, 
God has renewed me and I want it to be different and I want this to be a different experience. And go figure, we got engaged and got married. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, and I think looking at marriage um, kind of from that resurrection standpoint and looking at even dating from that resurrection standpoint. So whether I break up, I'm going to be healed from this and learn and become a better person and become that very person I need to be for somebody else is probably the best way to go about this because well uh, yeah. no wait 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 i'm gonna take issue i think please it's, please i think it's i need to become the best person for god and not for somebody else because in sure. all actuality we can't look at ourselves like yeah. we're yeah. for someone else i don't i don't think that's a healthy way to go about life no you're you're exactly right and if i had put that in a better context uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's what i meant <laughs> no but absolutely you know we exist you know for the glory of god and part of that glorification of god is uh family life and having children and be being a good and being a source of virtue and strength and and even a sacrament for somebody else that's why the sacrament in the, in the catholic church of marriage is so elevated because you know this commitment as you say this expression of i do uh is itself sanctifying to the members in the marriage mm -hmm. and they give it's the one sacrament that the two people give to each other right they confer it to each other yeah. um Whereas, you know, you almost always need a minister for the other ones. So uh, baptism being the only exception there on occasion. But the point is, you're right. For the holiness of the couple, you know, marriage exists in the Christian dispensation in order to help us become more virtuous and glorify God, both as individuals, but to do that, you know, together in communion and with the raising of children as an essential part of that. One thought I have is this notion of can we be friends after a breakup? Is that something which is off the table entirely? Is it absolutely impossible? Well, um, I would say that there are those that can pull it off, and I have seen it done. I think it's different for everybody. For me, for this particular ex, I used to say that I have never, I have never been friends with an ex mm -hmm. because I think I, I think I even said that retrospectively I I think because I saw it coming to an end and I wanted to maybe put that as a warning like like look if we're, we're gonna end this it's it's done like mm -hmm. you're never gonna get none of this ever again <laughs> <laughs> no I and I just knew myself like I get too emotionally attached I mean emotionally god I, I mean you bring sex into the equation like i don't understand how people exponential yeah how yeah. people in this world survive doing <laughs> that over and over again i mean for me emotionally was just enough for it to wreck me all other relationships it was always too hard to try it again knowing that we had crossed this bounds of like soul bearing i mean you know you could put that in any box you like but like in the sense of like I bore my soul to you and somehow it didn't work for you to want to stay with me. Mm -hmm. I mean, and again, like I've, I was the one breaking up, but like, I think I also did that because I felt that, that, that sense of like, if I don't do it, they're going to do it, you mm -hmm. know? So yeah. I guess I, into some, in some ways I've always played the victim too, but mm -hmm. I was trying to play the defensive and, you know, do the breaking up first. But with this particular ex, you know, telling him, we can't be friends. I've never tried being friends before. You know, he was so special to me that, like, when it came around to the point where we were going to try, we had a talk, and I was like, no, this has never worked be for me before. And he was, like, so sure, like, you know, like, maybe a little bit different, you know. It didn't work. I mean, I, I really did try. But in the end, it was, I felt like I was being used. Um, and I don't think that, he meant it malicious like I don't think that he meant to like I don't I think it's easy to be angry and sure. stay tuned for the next episode <laughs> but it, it's yes. so easy to fall into that just I want I'm angry and I'm I want revenge or whatever it is but for him I think he just generally thought that it would be fine like we can we can pick up bef right right before we got together we could pick up right there in our mm. friendship mode but I think what hurts me is that I see it like, wow, our relationship meant so much more right. than it did to you. And I'm sure that that is like all bullocks, right? I, <laughs> I, 
I could. Well, it's interesting that you know, wax eloquent and poetic about and draw like I could be super dramatic about that sort of thing. Right. You know, like I meant you know you meant more to me, but you know we all take things differently. And I, I am also a girl, so <laughs> right, um, right. And yeah. it's interesting that friendship was. Um, you already had that foundation of friendship before you started dating. Yeah. This wasn't an okay Cupid interview for are we going to no. be you know romantic, mm-hmm. right. and so dropping back to that foundation, there was always the the potential for the relationship to start up again, or for the elements that gave birth to that relationship to, mm. for lack of a better word, to trigger you again. And so, yes, it's, yeah. I mean. As a therapist, I'm not necessarily in the business of dispensing advice and, and exactly what you need to do, but I'm amazed when I meet people who are able to have a friendship right after having broken up. And it makes me wonder if, like we were saying in the beginning, was this even a relationship? Was this mm-hmm. even something that had you know the strength and the intimacy and the vulnerability to even uh, be called that? And so it's interesting. Dostoevsky has this line in one of his books Uh, where he's talking to his mistress and you know they've been meeting up throughout the book and towards the end of the book she tries to start having a relationship with him tries trying to have you know an emotional intellectual relationship with him and he just turns to her and said this can't work because our relationship began where it should have ended and and I think the book uh, notes from the underground kind of closes on this sentiment that we've already been very intimate with each other on a level that should have come as the fruit or as the response of the emotional intimacy you're now seeking. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's... Wow, that puts a lot into perspective. It's interesting. Okay. Laura just had a break. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I think that's beautiful. I'm going to look that up later. (laughs) Yeah, and Notes from the Underground is a very short book, so it's easy to get through or easy to listen to if you're on Audible. So, but... You know, looking at sex as, you know, the expression of the emotional and the commitment. You know, I've I've given myself to you emotionally, and I've given my will to you. That's what I do is all about. It's about giving over the will and the intellect as well as the emotions, and, and as, the entirety of right. Yeah. And so it's safe to then give over one's body to somebody, and and thus the rest of one's emotions and one's potential to be a parent and one's potential to be. You know, a, a loving spouse, to have somebody firmly committed and having said "I do" before you ever go near there, at the risk of turning this into a a pro- a, yeah a propaganda piece <laughs> for for marriage first. Um, it it seems to me that to view sex as the fruit of that, as the fruit of that commitment, like you were saying, rather than as sort of part of the game or or one more piece in in the great chess battle of getting to know each other guarantees that that intimacy is safe or at least gives it a firmer foundation right so well and establishing that from the beginning yeah boundaries as a a common expectation for a catholic if ever there was a deal breaker right yeah yeah you'd think you'd think you well welcome to la yeah (laughs) yeah hence fishers of men the podcast (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome indeed well i think that's a great place to stop for now but stay tuned because we'll have daniel back for another episode on anger yes indeed if ever there was a great follow-up to break up conversations (laughs) deal with anger so until next time thank you for listening to our podcast this has been another episode of fishers of men if you have any questions comments or feedback please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men. Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Laura Samir Sams. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming.